You're listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined by my guy, Philip Russell, and we are coming at you on this hot, muggy, gross Wednesday here in Kentucky. Uh, it's been a little little tough for the psyche. Step outside, it's 107. Makes me feel like we truly are in the valley itself. Except for here in Kentucky, we have humidity, a thing I have heard that uh, a lot of Arizona folks don't actually have to deal with. But Philip, how are you doing this week? Emotionally, how are you feeling after the uh, the heat kicked your butt this morning? Oh, I was thinking the Miami heat for a second. I was like, how did the heat kick my butt? I don't know if that was a, another Warriors joke because I think the heat summer league team did beat the Warriors summer league team last night, if memory serves me right. So I thought we were going with a bit early, but I'm good. I'm good. My, I don't know how much money I give Twitter by seeing ads as I scroll, but the amount of times I'm sitting there refreshing Twitter, waiting for something to happen, like that little kid in the Incredibles has surely gotten Twitter a good amount of ad revenue. So uh, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this, you're welcome, even though he doesn't own it. Dude, Elon definitely listens, though. Thank you for making sure you make him feel included. Uh, yeah, man, it's been... I'm not even going to say Sun's Twitter. I'm going to say Ethan Twitter. A hot mess. I'm I'm happy to have not participated I'm trying to just abstain from adding to it. I'm just a, a viewer, a watcher of the, the Suns world's destruction, if you will. As we've got a lot to talk about, but also very little to talk about today's episode, uh, we're going to go ahead and just kick us off with some Summer Suns news. And before we do that, want to just say thank you for everyone that's listening, whether that's on any audio platform here on YouTube. Uh, and thanks to the bright side of the sun folks for making this possible. And with that said, off season's in full swing, my guy. We are officially in stuff is happening mode. Draft came and went. Other other fan bases probably cared. For us, it meant very little. But now we're in what we thought would be the part of the off season where the Suns are going to start doing things and we'll have things to discuss. That said. We haven't exactly had the start to the off season that we thought. So let's keep it let's keep it Suns only for this first part here and talk about the Suns and what they have done before we've talked about what they haven't done. So we do have a few new additions to the team and then we've got some guys coming back who could have left and one guy got the bag, like capital T H E the bag. What have your what are your thoughts so far about the Suns and what they have done this summer? I mostly love the uh Devin Booker signing, signing for the Supermax that he can get. And then around the edges, the guys that have been signed, it's been fine. So if you haven't kept up with it on Twitter or through any national news outlets, the Suns re-signed Bismack Biombo, which is Good because they lost JaVale McGee to the Mavs. The Mavs offered JaVale a three-year deal for $20 million, which comes at comes out at just over $6.5 million per year at $6.7-ish million per year. It seems like the Suns are trusting Bismack Biombo to fill that role at least next year. And then it also looks like they have a type that they're looking for at the center position. They also traded for Jock Landell, 
who's a 6'11 center. He's coming in on a million and a half per year deal. It's just one year. He just finished up, technically finished up his rookie year with the Spurs, even though he's 26. He was traded to Atlanta, and then the Suns traded for him from Atlanta for some cash. And he seems like Dario Saric insurance, from what I can tell. He has some real pick-and-pop ability, a little bit of pick-and-roll ability, but he's not a high flyer like JaVale or like DA would be. So you see the Suns, they have one of their springy bigs who they've brought back. You have Jock Lindell, who's a backup to a guy like... What's his name? Lost it. Dario Saric. There we go. And then you have the guards. So, Ethan, I'm going to kick it to you. What have you thought about the guards that the Suns have signed this offseason? So, I will say, I think you are a subject matter expert on one of them, given that he is coming from the Warriors. I'll let you have that one in a second. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of who the Suns have signed in in that area, and I'm going to have to going to stretch it a little bit. Josh Okogie's not a guard. I think he's more of a, a, a wing, but I do want to throw him in this group. So they signed Josh Okogie to a 1.9 mil deal uh, from everything I've seen. Those are the numbers that I'm seeing. Seeing he's under 24 years old, former first round pick, defensive menace, offensive question mark. And that might be generous. Question mark very is generous. Very generous. Let's be real here. Uh, but has a very clear purpose, which I like. It's cheap, young, still has upside potential if that offensive side can develop at all. But defensively, you know what you're getting and it's valuable, especially with the types of players that we know are so helpful in the league, especially when you have minutes where McHale can't be out there guarding Every single All-NBA player, it's nice to have just a couple strong dogs coming out there. Uh, And then Damian Lee, about to turn 30, coming from the Warriors, signed for about 2.1. I did not expect to see so much discourse on that signing from the Suns Twitter. Uh, I got roasted. For one tiny reply where I said I actually thought he had some pretty underrated minutes in the playoffs, a couple good stints. The internet did not like that opinion, so I'm very sorry, internet. But I do think before I'm going to let you kind of go into what you saw from him, he's a guy that's played winning basketball with winning people. It seems like winning basketball players enjoyed have having enjoyed having him around, which I think that speaks volume to when it comes to just Culture, expectations, not some guy coming in that can maybe think more of himself than what he really is. Like, seems like a dude that knows his place. What did you think about it as a guy who's probably watched a little more Damian Lee than I have? I like what you're bringing, what he's bringing to the table institutionally. Damian Lee played five years of college ball. He spent four years at Drexel, and then he spent one of the, what do they call it in college, a grad transfer year at UofL, University of Louisville here in Kentucky. He spent one year in Atlanta. Atlanta wasn't very good that year, but he was coached by Mike Budenholzer that year. And then he spent four years with Golden State. So what you're looking at is you're looking at a guy who's been around a lot of good basketball and good basketball institutions, even if you just look at the NBA for five straight years. And then he's coming into another system oriented team 
And that's where there's a lot of benefit in having a guy like Damian Lee on a team like the Suns, where he had particular roles that he needed to play, even playing them inconsistently on the Warriors this year. That's a good thing to add. He's a good, stable veteran. Is he going to go out there and shoot the lights out? No. Is he going to be a lockdown defender like a Mikhail Bridges? No, absolutely not. But he's going to be a good stabilizing presence who can come off the bench and at times give you real minutes. He's a capable guard in the sense that he can start offensive sets and then he'll be he'll be a positive on the defensive end. So for $2.3 million, that is a home run of a signing. Yeah, and I did want to just mention, I know you said JaVale left. I want to fill everyone in on what the Suns didn't do in terms of their own players. So in terms of players that the Suns had going into free agency that we kind of had question marks, we've got JaVale leaving for Dallas at what, in my opinion, was the biggest surprise. Not that he left, but that the amount of money. Uh, three years, I believe 20.4 mil, which good for you, JaVale. Get that bag, my guy. Like, no hard feelings. Thanks for everything. Uh, Bismack Biombo, like you said, he signed for 2.9 for one year. We talked a lot about the trade-offs between those two, and it does seem, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say it's unfair maybe for Bismack, but like, I don't think the talent gap and what they're bringing to the table is a big enough difference to justify three years, 20 versus one year, 2.9. So I think the Suns in that situation seem to be on the right side of things. Uh, Aaron Holiday left for Atlanta, one year, 1.9 mil, the same amount that Josh Kogi signed for. And then probably the biggest surprise, we have a whole lot of TBDs, starting with the one everyone's talking about, DeAndre Ayton. Alfred Payton still has not found a home. Ish Wainwright not found a home. And then Gabrielle Lundberg also has not found a home. I think the Suns will technically have Ish locked up for next year because of the because when they flipped him onto a standard, I think they'll have him for a million and a half next year. I hope you're right. He's currently listed here on uh, the website I was looking at for every single deal and all that good stuff as a UFA, but I'm not sure. Uh, there's a qualifying so, offer. The Suns can pick up. That's what it is. Okay. I got my uh, color schemes wrong on the little chart that I'm looking at. No worries. Um, interestingly enough, Ish Wainwright, almost 28 years old. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I guess he's just another one of those incredibly old rookies that the Suns have such fondness for. But that's that's it in terms of what the Suns have done, whether that's with their returning players or bringing in new players. There has been... Uh, a whole lot of of talk about something else happening and i guess we can go ahead and and pivot there real quick and that is the kevin durant debacle situation hot mess what have you i think i've seen six or seven episodes by some sun's podcasters that has kevin durant in the title so happy to happy to add one more to the pile here i don't want us to come at this with reckless speculation and and no offense to the ringer, a great website. I feel like I've listened to 14 episodes that are just like, what trade makes sense? What trade's going to happen? Like, we don't know, right? Like we can only talk about our opinion on the matter and from where we're coming from. So 
Philip, in terms of what you have seen so far with the Kevin Durant situation, bringing to you, I think, the facts, which the facts as of today are, Kevin Durant has asked for a trade. The Suns and the Heat were the two preferred destinations for Kevin Durant. And then the final fact is that nothing has happened yet. That's that's what we've got. That's what we know is happening. What are your thoughts on, on where we're at with this whole mess? In in a big picture view of it, I like that it hasn't happened very quickly. Now, I know as we're going to get to the Suns point of view from this, but I want to look league-wide for a second. Kevin Durant has an extension signed with the Nets that is about to kick in. A four-year extension that begins in 22-23. He is essentially, if you think about this, asking to be traded at the very beginning of a contract. If he is able to do that, and just within the snap of a fingers, the Nets ship him off to Phoenix, getting pennies on the dollar, you might say quarters on the dollar of a return from the Phoenix Suns, that is not good for the league as a whole. The league as a whole, I think, needs some stability when it comes to the star players signing those massive contracts that they're able to sign. When you're signing those kinds of max extensions, super max deals, there needs to be some staying power there that they're going to be in that place for an extended period of time. Otherwise, the league is in complete chaos. And some of the stories that we love from NBA history about teams building and building up to the point where they can win and compete for championships will likely not be as common as they are right now. So I like in one sense that the Nets are playing hardball or at least that they're being patient while they have these moving parts, seemingly two disgruntled superstars. They're not just saying, okay, you guys went out here. We'll very quickly get you out. So good on Joe size, Sean Marks and the whole Nets organization for that, because I think that matters for the health of the league. What I want to focus on, what I want to focus on from the Suns' perspective is more comfortability. When it comes to trading for Kevin Durant, I'm going to kick this to you, Ethan. What are you comfortable giving up? So when you look at the current roster, you go, okay, if we give up X number of players and X number of draft picks, I look at that and go, yeah, that's cool because you're getting Kevin Durant in return. I I don't think there's any pick that is a we got to hold on to it. If they ask for the next, I don't know, seven, eight years of picks, that's fine. It really is because, I mean, look at the Suns now. This is two straight years without a first round pick. And let's say that we've got four years of Kevin Durant. Barring something bad happening, none of those first-round picks are going to be that valuable. They're all going to be high 20s. So picks, fine, whatever. However many you need to throw in there. Pick swaps on the alternating years, totally fine as well. The player conversation is where it gets really, really murky. And this is where I, I think my answer is not going to be loved by most Suns fans. So sorry in advance. I personally think the only player that is an untouchable in trade conversations is Devin Booker. That's it. And and I have, in my opinion, reasons why every other person just doesn't fit into that category. I mean, 
Chris Paul's age alone, I think four years of Kevin Durant will help extend that career, but I don't anticipate him. I don't think his ceiling is any higher than what we've seen. I think Chris Paul is Chris Paul, and that's great. And then you move down to that next tier where it's this young, I don't know if you can call them young stars, young guys with really high ceilings still. Uh, Mikhail, DA, Cam Johnson. And I've seen a lot of people be really dead set on not being willing to throw in Mikhail Bridges. He seems to be the piece that people are the most concerned with. I think the Cam Johnson thing, you, you just got to you gotta realize. We love Cam, but it's Kevin Durant. DA doesn't seem to want to be here. Fans are pretty split. It's Kevin Durant. Mikhail seems to be the hang-up for most, and the reason he's not a hang-up for me, and I don't want this to sound like a bash session, but I just want to try to be, I don't know, self-aware, like don't let the bias step in. Defensively, Mikhail Bridges is really, 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 really good. I think I think he deserved, you know, second place defensive player of the year. But what I saw in the NBA Finals is the guy that beat him still not be able to do anything against Steph Curry. So in my mind, there is this upper echelon of player that you can have the defensive player of the year on your team and it still won't matter. In my opinion, Kevin Durant is in that group. And so then I look at the offensive side of Mikhail Bridges and say, can this guy that we're having so much value and importance on, can he be a top three scoring option on a championship winning team? A year ago, I think I say, yes, I am hopeful. As of right now, I don't see that. And we've talked about it a lot, whether that's the lack of creativity or shot creation, what have you. I see him being the fourth or fifth offensive option on a championship winning team. There's no way on earth I'm saying I'm not going to give you that for Kevin Durant in some way. So I mean, book is it for me. Is that, is that me overvaluing Kevin Durant and, and kind of just throwing everything to the side for a championship or is that kind of lining up where you're at? I don't think it's overreacting. The only the only major concern that I have is after watching the last several NBA seasons, depth matters every year in the playoffs. Every year. That being said, I would be very comfortable with DeAndre Ayton going out. And we're also recognizing that this is most likely going to be a three, four, five team trade because of what the Nets want if the Suns are telling Kevin Durant. So this isn't as clean as we can as we might we'll be able to talk about it whenever the trade happens wherever KD winds up going. But if you're shipping out DeAndre Ayton, one of the twins, and then the salary filling contracts that the Suns have, Shamit, Crowder, Payne, etc. I would be very comfortable with that. I get a little hesitant when it's DA, both of the twins, and especially Jay Crowder as one of the salary-filling contracts going out. Again, it all depends on who who the Suns are bringing back in because there's a chance it's not just Kevin Durant coming back. What I'm really looking at is 
when you look at both twins and Jay Crowder potentially having to go out, you're losing in a sense. And I think the way a lot of Suns fans look at that, you're losing three starting caliber players to get potentially one starting caliber player in return. And the great thing about the Suns is one of those starting caliber players was on the bench. I I am of the opinion, you still go for it. If that's the case, if you have to ship out four or five of these players for Kevin Durant, but it would make me uncomfortable because of recent NBA history. Mm -hmm. There is value in having Kevin Durant. There's value in having a deep team. And what James Jones is trying to have to do is he's trying to hit the bullseye right in between those two ideas to say, okay, we get Kevin Durant and we keep at least a modicum of depth. And that's a hard balance that he's trying to strike. And I think it also puts a whole lot of pressure on these small signings that he's doing. Mm. The the Damian Lees, the Josh Akogis. Like Josh Akogi, again, we're not going to just crap on his offensive game, but it's it's not it's not there. Mm-hmm. Defensively, though, he's six six five, I think, with a seven foot wingspan and is and is built tough. So if your thought is the offensive ceiling going from McHale to Kevin Durant is this exponential gap. How much defensively can I make up with this $2 million signing? Okay, right. We might be giving up our backup point guard, but if we tweak things, Kevin Durant can run an offense. He can facilitate, he can whatever. Can a Damian Lee be plugged in for a one week break when someone sprains their ankle, rolls their whatever, right? So like that is what's intriguing to me about these signings right now. It's not this like, let's get, let's bring in this unknown. It's like, no, we're bringing in people that we know exactly what they're going to provide from day one. And I think, I think that's important whether this works or doesn't work. But I just, I agree with you. If you're getting the best player in the trade, I always feel good. I I don't, I think Ryan Rosillo says that a lot, but I mean, it, him or Bill, but like, if you're bringing in the guy, a lot of the times that's going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're giving up future assets to do it, these unknowns, right? You can you can rave about first round picks all day long, but we've seen a whole lot of first round picks not work out, let alone in their in the high teens and 20s. So then you say, "Okay, if the hang up is Cam Johnson, McHale, DA, whoever, much like those draft picks, you hope you know what you're doing. You hope that your expectations are going to pan out for you, but you're just not sure because there's still room to grow, hopefully, and develop. When you're trading for a sure thing, that is what I think makes the difference to me. This isn't, I mean, this isn't even like a 25 year old star. And I know people would probably be like, well, yeah, younger would be great. I like that it's a dude who we know exactly who he is, and he's been doing it for a long time. There's no guesswork of what Kevin Durant's going to bring to you. The fact that he wants to be here, wants to play with Book, wants to play with CP, that gives me more confidence that hopefully we get at least three of those four years if he does show up. Let's let's not be crazy and assume someone saves for a whole contract. Uh, we can't all be LeBron James, but we'll see, right? That And that's my thinking. I think I'm if the Suns do the trade in whatever capacity – I am going to be happy. 
as long as Devin Booker's on the Suns, I'm going to be happy if that trade happens because they're trying to, they're trying to win and they're okay spending money to do it. And that is something I can get behind. If they don't do the trade and the two of us are sitting here in a couple weeks and look at our roster and say, oh crap, did they make all these moves expecting something to happen that didn't happen? Now I'm going to be nervous because our first round draft picks still aren't going to have that much value. We're still a good team, right? Like picking in the twenties is great and all, but what are you, what are you going to do to make that leap? We've seen them fall short in the finals. We've seen them fall short in a much more embarrassing way this past year. I think we both agreed something's something's got to happen. I think running it back is the safest option. But the longer we have separated ourselves from the finals, it seems like that DA thing is unsalvageable. Like every report has made mention that like, no, 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 he's he's not coming back to Phoenix. And the fact that the two people mentioned repeatedly as the as the participants in the souring relationship are Chris Paul and Monty Williams. That's where I'm like, yeah, if if that's not there, this is a this is a disaster waiting to happen. Let's capitalize on that value. So we'll see. I don't know, man. It's I'm ready for something to happen. I think you're right. I think it's good that it's being actually thought out and figured out and not just being like, oh, if you want out, here you go. And just diminishing value for the future like years of the league. But boy, it's stressful. I'll tell you that much. It has not been fun just sitting on Twitter with my Woj notifications on. Yeah, it is. And just to put a to put a fine point on where I think both of us probably are based on text group chats, Twitter DMs, get Kevin Durant is the official stance of Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. And if you can find a way to keep even one of the twins, that will be a great, great thing. I will say, I, I feel bad saying this. I've I've dreamed of Cam Johnson finally getting to start. Think of all the gravity <laughs> that would be pulled in on Kevin Durant, Booker, and Paul, leaving Cam Johnson with just some wide open threes all over. Woo! Boy, that'd be that'd be something. All right, now let's talk about the rest of the league. Here we've had a lot of activity. Within the first 24 to 48 hours. And then we went pretty silent until Rudy Rudolph Gobert got traded in a trade that must be discussed to some extent. Let's go ahead, though. I want to open it up to you. What has stood out? Let's be real here. We're not going to go through every free agent signing and and talk about how good or bad it is, mainly because we don't care. But what has stood out to you, whether that's something Suns related Bulls related, favorite player related, stupid signing related. Like what what things have jumped out to you? I've got a couple here that I've got, uh, but I was curious what you what you've been intrigued by so far. So I have two things that I that I really liked, and then a couple things that I've not been high on this offseason. First thing that I liked, the Celtics moves that they've made have been great. They have nailed the offseason so far. They added Malcolm Brogdon, good defender, capable playmaker, good enough three-point shooter, at times a really good three-point shooter, and Danilo Gallinari, another capable, big, bigger scorer off the bench for them. That's 
with those two guys added into the mix and they basically gave up. I was like, they didn't give up any playoff, real playoff minutes no, at all. Non-rotation players to get those guys. That's an A plus for the Celtics so far. So if they bring back everybody from their core and just run it back with those two guys, that's excellent from the Celtics. And the other thing I like isn't a specific team. It's actually two teams combined, but it's guys who I call the big, small guards, the big, small guards. Denver going and getting Bruce Brown and then Portland going and getting Gary Payton the second. I thought those were great pickups. Gary Payton the second is like we just mentioned with Brogdon, a good enough three-point shooter, but then his defensive versatility and his ability to rim run makes him a very unique player. Now, he was most likely maxed out in his ability with Golden State. But the thing I like about that signing for Portland is that he's a guy who can come alongside a Damian Lillard, who is not a positive defender, and give you a good on-ball and even off-ball presence defensively. And then I loved the guard-guard pick-and-roll that they would run with Steph and GP2 making defenses try to figure out what are you going to do with this guard who can dive to the basket and just yam on dudes and can yam on bigger dudes as well. So I think that's a really, it's a savvy pickup because I think he's a very valuable player. So again, Denver getting Bruce Brown and Portland going after GP2. I love those ideas. Now for you, what are, what are some things that you've liked so far this off season? We're sticking with likes. We're going positive. We're going positive, positive first, first, right? It's best uh, and then worst. Sorry, a lot of a lot of mine are like, how on earth did this happen? Uh, best, and this is going to eventually also come back. PJ Tucker getting a three-year deal for thirty-three million <laughs> at thirty-seven years old. That guy, Dan Marley, Hustle Award winner in Phoenix, year after year after year, went to China to play after playing at the University of Texas a grinder to a level that most will never understand. That just makes me happy. I love that he has not just found a home in many different cities and they've loved him, but the value he brings, that makes me really, really happy. Um, The Devin Booker signing. I love that that was done on minute one. I'm glad we got that. We wrapped it up. Here's all your money. Thank you so much. Uh, The petty part of me also thought it was really funny that DeAndre Ayton got to witness that this summer after what happened last summer. That's pretty funny to me. Um, Kevon Looney, I think the Warriors got a great deal on that. Three years, 25 mil. I mean, you know he can be your starter and win you a finals. That's a great deal for a starter for a finals team. I was curious what was going to happen there. uh, But I thought that was pretty solid. I thought Tyus Jones coming back to Memphis. I thought he earned a bag elsewhere in the playoffs. I was very, very impressed that the Grizzlies were able to get that done. I think it's just a two-year 30 mil, straight 15 per. That seems like an underpay to me for what he showed he could do. I definitely think he could start in the NBA. Well done for them. The Grizzlies are, uh, sorry, the Timberwolves. I, I'm not going to go to the next step of, of what they did because I think that will follow up in a second. But I thought their Kyle Anderson signing was also a solid one. 
after watching where they failed in the playoffs, I think that type of presence, a defensive rock across the back, always in the right place, a little more head on his shoulders. I mean, he still gets spicy. Let's be real. We've we've seen a few techs in the playoffs alone, but I thought that was a good deal. Uh, and then this one might be more with my heart than anything, but Malik Monk going to the Kings. I think, <laughs> I think the Kings, because they've made a few more moves, uh, including the the Kevin Herter deal. They're trying, man. The Kings are trying. They are they're trying to hit the lottery, have a lot of things come up and hit their ceilings and be good. Now, ragging on the Kings is fun, but I'm hopeful. Like I I hope for their fans sake that that is competitive because boy oh boy, they sure need that. But and Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox back together. Yep. Like that is that's league passworthy for me because that was one of the most fun college basketball seasons of my entire existence. I will watch just to see them together again. That was the last Kentucky team I ever cared about. After that, all that of my a- focus went to the NBA. So if you if listeners out in Arizona don't know, that's Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, and Bam Adebayo all on the same team. Had an so up good. and down season, if memory serves me right. And then what's that white boy's name from UNC? Luke. Uh, Luke May. Luke May. The hits, corner. Yeah. Hits or the elbow. Devastating shot after, I think it was Malik Monk made a crazy three-pointer in, in, in an Elite Eight game. So yeah, Kings will be Kings will be fun. And a bunch of UK fans are going to be uh, standing the Kings for a while now. Can we move into stuff we hate? Before we do that, I wanted to ask you, how's the Zach Levine signing? For you, because I don't feel like that would be brought up in the hate category, but as a Bulls fan, I, I'm not sure what, like, I can't read the room of Bulls fans when it comes to Levine. Is that a signing that you think is going over well? My Twitter is all Suns fans when it comes to the NBA and national the, guys. For the but best, but also what I, with this entire Bulls team, I am reserving all judgment until I can see them with a healthy Lonzo Ball for significant stretches, especially the playoffs. You you need to have a good point guard, especially when your two scorers are ISO heavy. You need someone who can get the ball moving, who can keep your sets locked in. And we just didn't have it in the playoffs this past year because mm-hmm. Lonzo was out. So I will reserve that until my thoughts on his signing until next summer. Because I just don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like when the minutes matter the most. I think the Bulls are going to be very good next year, though. At least in the regular season. (laughs) Sorry. All right. What about the the worst for you? The Lakers are trash, dude. They're Uh, so bad. Excuse me, the Los Angeles Clutch Sports Lakers? They are so bad. They, it confounds me to no end. They have the model. Get guys who can shoot and can also play defense. Put them around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And you have a team that can get dragged to pretty impressive places. So what do they do? They go out and sign Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, baby. They sign Troy Brown Jr. They signed Juan Toscano Anderson, who I like. I think he is a high character guy. If you watch but. Warriors games, <laughs> he's the up off the bench first kind of guy. He comes in, he plays hard but no offensive superstar is he. And then for the big that they bring in, they bring in Damian Jones, who is a rim runner and not a whole lot else. So they're so bad. 
they're so bad. And if they get Kyrie, I don't even know if that fixes anything because you're still going to have three capable shooters. And then the other two guys, I don't know who they're going to roll out there who can actually shoot. Taylor Horton Tucker, the second coming of whoever superstar the Lakers Lakers fans want to compare him to now, they're trash. I also, give me 30 seconds on this because I know as Suns fans, we don't talk about Rudy Gobert. You got it. Minnesota. Woof. Oh, can I, man. Can I redo that full trade? Yeah, go ahead. I've, I've got it pulled up here. So the Timberwolves receive Rudy Gobert. That's it. Just one line on that one. The Jazz receive Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmero, Walker Kessler, their first round pick, defensive player of the year, Jared Vanderbilt, first round pick in 23, 25, 27, 29, a pick swap in 26. That's it. That is insane. That's insane that that's the price for Rudy Gobert. For Rudy Gobert. Now, I think Minnesota can be pretty good in the regular season because that's that's going to be a hard team to scheme for, especially if they figure out a good offensive balance with Cat and Rudy on the floor at the same time. They are going to get cooked in the playoffs. I don't see how they won't. Cat or Rudy is getting drug out to the perimeter against good offensive teams, and they will be relentlessly attacked. So this won't just be one of your main guys. Two of your main guys are going to have big bullseyes from teams with capable guards. And I just don't know how that's a winning formula in the playoffs. Again, regular season, just like Rudy Gobert's teams have been for almost half a decade. I think they will be a good regular season team, but you have two perimeter liabilities now who you would conceptualize they would want to have on the floor in the playoffs. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. My last one, the Wizards. Bradley Beal getting the Supermax. He, he's my, that was my number one on my, is on my worst. wild. Congratulations on keeping Bradley Beal. You get to remain in relative mediocrity for the next half a decade because of that. Tough. He was number one on my list too. Like that is just the most we suck but we really want to keep you deal. And I don't even like, it's almost like they've tricked themselves into being like, well, if we pay him this, it'll prevent us from tanking and just being the worst and going into a rebuild. You've been rebuilding since John Wall left. (laughs) They made what one, one good playoff run with the two of them when they got beat by the Celtics, I think in the second round, maybe can't remember. Like that's it. It's incredible to me that they they made that move. It's awful. Congrats to Bradley Beal, though. Get the bag, man. Who cares about winning? Don't chase rings. Chase the money. You're doing great, baby. Um, the next ones that I have are, are questions for you. We don't have to talk too much about them. Jalen Brunson. Ah. Good or bad decision from the Knicks? I don't know. If it's... If it's the Jalen Brunson who showed up in the first two games against the Jazz this year, phenomenal that you got him for 25 mil. If it's anything less than that, yikes. So all of these are ones that I have some pretty big question marks about. So yeah, that's Jalen Brunson coming in at 26 annually here. Uh, Lou Dort 
goodness. Five years, 87.5. That's 17 and a half mil a year for the undrafted rookie who the Thunder were smart, signed him to a, if memory serves, a four-year deal straight up at dirt cheap, worked his butt off, has added some stuff to his offensive back, defensive menace, but that much money for Lou Dort, who is getting paid per year at or above Yusuf Nurkic, Mitchell Robinson, Bobby Portis. Those are the next ones on the list. He's more wingy than those guys. So because of that, he just naturally has a little bit more value added to him at 17 and it's 17 and a half. Is that what you said? It, it's 17 and a half for Lou Dort. Gary Payton for reference is getting 9.3. Yeah, I think it's okay. He's bigger than GP2. He's probably, he's more proven in the league than GP2 is as well. 17 and a half feels a little high to say it's a very tradable contract, but as soon as the cap spikes significantly, I know it's gone up some for the 22. It's also, it's also five years. So it's more time for the cap to keep going up to make it more and more reasonable. I think it'll be fine. I think 17 is probably going to be considered when the cap spikes, a very tradable contract, a, a lot like we currently think about 10 to 15 million right now. What what did Mikhail sign for? Did he do four for eighty eight? It's twenty two. It was twenty two. Okay, interesting. I thought that was interesting as Brunson signed for twenty six a year and Anthony Simons signed for twenty five a year. I played the game. Who would I rather have out of those three guys? And it was an interesting thought process. Um, next one on the bad. This is just a fun comparison. Who would you rather have? Thirty seven year old PJ Tucker for three years, thirty three. Or 23-year-old, that's right, 14 years younger, Marvin Bagley for three years, 37. Oh, man. I would rather take the geriatric small forward center. Is it is it the context of Phoenix Suns? Nope. Just life. Three years, think- of, three years of P.J. Tucker at less money than three years of Marvin Bagley. The, who all he did last year was put up numbers in the last 15 games yeah. where nothing mattered. The signing the signing makes more sense for a team like Detroit that has other young parts that can grow together. For the Sixers, P.J. Tucker obviously makes more sense. For a team like the Suns, the P.J. signing would make more sense. Kind of. I thought his contract was pretty wild as well. So I'm right in the middle. If you're a trash team who's just trying to get some young guys some run, yeah, take a flyer on Marvin Bagley. If you're a team looking to win, absolutely do not take any flyers on Marvin Bagley. This is this is more of an interesting observation. I never would imagine in my life that John Wall and Victor Oladipo would both sign contracts for as little money as they did. But they're one of them, I think. I think Oladipo has proven that he can still contribute, and that's great. I'm happy for him. The John Wall is a big question mark that I'm very intrigued by. What do you think of him going to the Clippers? Do you think he will find some of his old self, or do you think it's a if it works out great? If not, oh well. I hope he does well. I loved John Wall. He was the he was one of the guys that revitalized Kentucky basketball back when I cared about UK. He is a joy to watch when he is at his best. I hope he's well rested. I hope he's fit. I hope he's in game shape by the time the season rolls around. And if he if he facilitates well, and you add him to the mix of Batum, who signed back, 
Reggie Jackson, who's a spark plug of a scorer. And then, of course, PG and Kawhi. He can be a really nice fit for them. Final question for you. Thomas Bryant signed yesterday. With that, this is what the center class looks like <laughs> remaining on the free agency market. We have, I'll just, I'll just list a few for you here. Um, starting with DeAndre Ayton. These are other guys that are still looking for a home. Dwight Howard, Ed Davis, Hassan Whiteside, Luke Garza. That one's funny. Tristan Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, Devontae, can't pronounce the last name without messing it up, Greg Monroe, Moses Brown. Here's my question. If DeAndre Ayton does not come back to the Suns in a trade, if someone gives him the offer sheet he's looking for, it appears that the Suns' center group will be Bismack Biombo and Jock. Daria. Yeah, I guess that is true. Uh, how are you feeling about that? With what is left over, do the Suns have to if if Aiton gets traded somewhere, is it now mandatory to get a center back given how free agency has gone? I think there's a pipe dream where the Suns somehow get Kevin Durant and Miles Turner at the same time mm-hmm. in one fell swoop. So the iconic duo of Jalen Smith and DeAndre Aiden can reunite in Indianapolis, Indiana. If that doesn't happen, I think the Suns can patch together an okay center rotation if you add one more guy. And of that list, I would not be mad if the Suns got Dwight Howard. I would be okay with it as a guy who would play a similar role that JaVale played last year, where you are a screener and a rim runner and then be big on the defensive end. You're okay with that in the regular season. You're not okay with it in the playoffs, but those kind of guys don't have much of a don't have much of a place in the playoffs anyways. So go for Dwight. Yep. Uh, Jalen Smith, by the way, two years, 9.5 mil. The guy got his second contract. Good for him. I hope he thrives in the land of the corn there with the Pacers. But that's about, that's about it for me. I think there are more things that have stood out for the bad than for the good. Uh, I think the Timberwolves jazz trade right now is the biggest what on earth is going on thing that's happened so far. I'm also worried that that has set back the Kevin Durant trade even more because they said, Hey, look, some team is willing to offer this for Rudy Gobert. We're going to get what we want out of this, which if I were the Nets, I would do the same thing. Like you can't have Kevin Durant leave and not get at least what Rudy Gobert got in return. Right? Like, if anything, I think this is just going to make the Nets dig in even more. But also, they're still figuring out Kyrie Irving and whatever crap's going on there. That's a lot. That's a lot to process from a management perspective. It makes sense why this is taking them the amount of time that it is. I don't know. Uh, also, we got a comment about the 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 bigs here. Uh, Biombo or Jock can't start and can't tell how Dario comes off the ACL. 
I would disagree in a Kevin Durant world. Biombo can Biombo, start. I think he could because the thing is with me, and we're we need to wrap this up. This has gone longer than I thought, but I think the one thing I liked about Busy over Javale is that Busy can defend the perimeter at a significantly higher level than Javale could. He's not he's not Da right where he can actually stick to every guard in the world. But I think if you've got if you've got Busy holding his own on the perimeter. I mean, I think I think he's going to see some some real big boy minutes this year. I'm cool with it. He seems like a wonderful, likable guy, and I wish nothing but the best. Uh, and a guy named Jock, I'm just excited to have him on the team because I think he's interesting. <laughs> he is a, a great representation for a big chunk of our listener base. Uh, for those outside of the U.S., I'm all for it. I think it's great. But as we wrap it up, Philip, anything else that needs to be mentioned needs to be discussed. Go, son. Oh, son. Feel free to hit us up at the Valley PHX on Twitter. For Philip, I am Ethan. This is Into the Valley of Phoenix on the podcast. We out.